want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go. What I meant to say was New Zealand. <laughs> Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What Episode up, 44. All right. We're coming upon our one year anniversary here mm-hmm. soon. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe. It is, yeah. Um, I have some national days over here. Okay. Clean out your computer day. Uh-huh. Cream cheese brownie day. There's our dessert. Every day has Mm -hmm. to feature a dessert, seems. Home warranty day and umbrella day. Mm. Okay. So it seems pretty empty just to collect national days and not have like one that I can speak to. Right. So I chose to speak to umbrella day. Oh, okay. Would you like to learn a little bit about the umbrella? You know I would. All right. You ready? Yeah. I woke up today thinking, hmm, Hmm. I'd like to know more about the umbrella. Well, you're in luck. All right. The word umbrella comes from the Latin word umbra, meaning shade or shadow. Hmm. Um, Now, is this related to an umbilical cord? (laughs) No, that's a different episode. All right. (laughs) Uh, Bumper shoot is a fanciful Americanism for an umbrella from the late 19th century. Uh, The basic umbrella was invented over 4,000 years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's a long time. There is evidence of umbrellas in the ancient art of artifacts of Egypt, Greece, and China. That's like some Baghdad battery shit. You ain't lying. (laughs) Um, Also, in the news... Have you heard about these uh, herpes-infested monkeys no. in what? Florida? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, you just came from there. Nope. Don't know what you're talking about. Seems a little weird. Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have a really cool episode today, and I yeah. think maybe we should just get right to it. I think so, too. So we invited our friend Stormy Storms mm-hmm. to come chat with us. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting for this for such a long time. Yeah. We love her. Yeah. Um... So she came and chatted and brought awesome beer for us to try. So we had like a beer tasting experience and this cultivating conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to break a record this episode. Yeah. Yep. So almost everyone that we interview locally. Mm -hmm. So we kind of ask what people's favorite local bands are what they want to hear on their episode, mm-hmm. we give we give them the choice. And almost everybody picks Sulaco. Mm-hmm. So Sulaco is the band that we've played most mm-hmm. on this show so far. Nice. And Stormy, of course, requested Sulaco. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be playing So Be It. Then we're going to hear Thanatophobia off of the new Cremeco, courtesy of Brandon Riley. Fantastic. Then immediately after that, we're going to go into our interview with 
the fantastic Stormy Storms. Sounds good.
Stormy, thank you for chatting with us this evening. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> it's good to be on the pod. So I have a burning question. Burn me. All right. What is in that backpack? Oh, um, do I have a backpack with me? Today? I don't know if you, you have don't, it. You don't have it today. I have my purse. You, with, I have my purse with me. But you often have a backpack at I metal often shows. Have a backpack at metal shows, and I often have strange things inside of it because <laughs> people give me weird shit all the time. Um, the last time someone played, "Where's my backpack with me?" I had a tiny ceramic finger with a face on it inside of it. <laughs> I'm glad I asked the question. And then the time before. I had an actual cauldron inside of my backpack because my friends had given me one as a gift beforehand. <laughs> um, actually, I think I saw that. I think I made everyone look at it that yeah. night. I was a couple of GNTs deep when uh, <laughs> I got to that show. <laughs> so first thing inside of my purse this evening is I've got my new sword earrings from uh, Gruntwork Alyssa, Alyssa Alchemy. They're pretty sweet. They're yeah, also they're pretty sharp. badass. Mm-hmm. They hurt a little bit if you poke yourself with they them. They look pretty sharp. What other weird nice. stuff do I have in my bag so Jewelry and a weapon at the same time? Yes. Nice. That's exactly my energy. <laughs> um, anything else? Mark Rapone better watch out with those black eyes when you wear those. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two bags of airplane pretzels. So if you guys need some snacks. Um, is there anything else interesting in here? I have a tiny deodorant. And, oh, ooh, ooh, I have something really interesting in here. So... I have this worry stone um, and I found it in Mount Hope Cemetery. So I started hiking the cemetery every Thursday about a year ago. Just felt like psychically compelled to. Cool. Um, And I was compulsively photographing this crossroads at the cemetery every single week because it looked cool. But also I just like felt like got to photograph this over and over again. Got to photograph it. Got to photograph it. And then the snow melted and the grave next to it was Mary Grace Storms died 1919. I just got goosebumps. I got goosebumps when I saw it. I like yelled when I saw it. I was like, oh my God, a dead relative summoned me here on the 100th anniversary of their death. And my name, my real name is Margaret. And Mary Grace is like very close to that. So I was like, this is too weird. So one day I decided to leave a little offering at her grave and I was poking around with a stick behind it, trying to like tuck it in. And I pull this out of the ground and it is a worry stone. So I keep it on me for good luck when I travel and I just haven't taken it out of my bag yet. But I that think... That is really amazing. It's super creepy. And like if I hold it in my hand, it fits perfectly as a worry stone for myself too. Like your thumb? Yeah. And yeah. I think that it might have been Mary Grace's worry stone because why else would it be buried behind her grave? So I have like this weird physical artifact from a gravestone that is from a dead relative who died 100 years previous to when I found her grave that was revealed to me from compulsive photograph taking. Oh, sorry. So that's what's in my bag. Well, Tiny swords, snacks, who knew? and a haunted stone. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out, great question to ask me, what's in the backpack? Oh, thanks There's for sharing. always something weird in my bag. <laughs> Feel free to ask anytime. <laughs> All right. So your real name's Margaret. Yes. So when did you become like Stormy Storms? Um, In college, my freshman year, there were three Margarets in my program of... 75 people so some of us got nicknames uh margaret cohen got to keep margaret margo james became margo and i got stormy because storms is a cool last name to get a nickname uh from. yeah so totally it's not too creative but i think it fits way better than margaret does too 
I don't, I'm named after my grandma, so I'm immediately like, I'm 75 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Also, when people call me Margaret, especially like people of authority in my life, I immediately shrink back to being a teenager. I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, shoot. What have I done? Yeah. What did I do now? Yeah. Oh, God. I can relate to that. You pepper that middle name in there, too. Oh, buddy. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm just going to apologize while I'm ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like turn into Tina Belcher. I'm just like, uh, <laughs> and then stormy storms. I started using more online too, because I, uh, have a very active online presence and like to keep an air of anonymity around me for people who haven't met me in person. I don't exactly want like complete strangers from the internet knowing my real business. Yeah. Yep. But I'm also living a little bit of a public life, so it's becoming a little bit blurred these days. But yeah. that's 2020 for you. Yeah. You know, you can't hide. I also, like, don't care anymore. I cared at one point where I was like, mm, maybe people shouldn't know what I do online versus me in real life. And I'm like, eh, whatever. It's all part of the big picture. Yeah. I mean, it is part of who you are. It's true. It's true. I feel like you miss out if you're not friends with me online as well as in person. So I totally agree with that. <laughs> Get to see the absolute terror that I am on the internet. Oh, we love it. We're like, did you see yeah. what Stormy posted today? <laughs> what terrible meme and brainworm she's put into us now. Oh, it's fantastic. And like that Danny Wegman's group is so much fun to run to. Like I have 11,000 people in Rochester and markets that have Wegman stores now referring to Danny Wegman as Daddy Wegman. Dude, and your dadman, like dadman. that fucking blows my mind. I had a person come up to me at a show in Buffalo and just go, your dadman. And I was like, oh God, it happened. <laughs> Shit. Someone recognized me from like meme posting. Oh God. And then, I mean, my poor mother, bless her heart. When I got the Wegman's black metal tattoo, she was a little bit like, Margaret, what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> did you tell? Did you outwardly tell her? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I posted it on Instagram like the second I got it because I was like, "Look at this dumb thing I just did." <laughs> <laughs> my mom's like, "You got the worst tattoo." I was like, "I know, but it's so bad. I made the news." <laughs> I know. I'm famous. <laughs> I'm famous for such a stupid thing, but I, I love it. It's great, and like, it's also in a spot that I can never see it unless I'm like craning with a mirror. Yeah. So I don't even remember it's there. You know, just have Butter Boy and every day you get our okayist on me until the day I die. <laughs> so what inspired that? The group or the yeah. tattoo? Well, both. Um, the group I started three years ago now just because I made like... <laughs> oh, good. It's a podcast. I can actually talk about this. Will Carroll asked me about this on his radio show, but you can't say the word come on the radio. So um, Danny Wegman makes chewable gummies. And there's also that daddy's cummies meme. Where it's like, the girl's like, ooh, ooh, give me daddy's cummies. I love my daddy's cummies. It's really gross and horrible. (laughs) And I'm like looking at the Wegmans gummies. And I've been calling them Danny's gummies for years. And then Danny's gummies sounds a lot like daddy's cummies. (laughs) (laughs) And I like photoshopped that into a meme. And I was like, where should I put this? This is so niche. (laughs) This is too niche. This is about grocery store brand vitamins and like a kind of obscure like cum based copy pasta. (laughs) And uh, I decided to make Danny Wegman's memes you feel good about and invited like 12 friends to join it thinking like, okay, well I'll just put this here and see what happens. And it grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And now we have almost 12,000 members in the group. And it's active. It is active. Like there's like 75 to a hundred posts a day. Every single day about everything. There's 
employees talking about how horrible customers are, which I honestly always live to see. Part of the group's description is that we are pro-employee, anti-customer. <laughs> um, and then, like, I also just love... <laughs> The groups developed this fascination about wanting to have sex with rotisserie chickens, which like I kind of love that the group is that chaotic. Like we, we're in a grocery store group and you guys are like, yeah, I'm going to come in a chicken. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm sitting here with these powers like, oh, God, what have I done? Fuck. <laughs> like, OK, well, someone's totally normal mom is now like, Daddy Wegman wants me to come on his chickens. And I'm like, oh, no, Storms. With great power comes great responsibility. And you've chosen to do this with it. Um, but it, it's also great to see because like, I love rubbing it kind of in the nose of Wegmans because I am sure they would love to acknowledge that they have a 12,000 member, extremely dedicated online fan base. Mm. That's well, great numbers. Yeah. yeah. They can't talk about it. They can't acknowledge we exist because they're such a family friendly, family oriented brand. But the last thing they want to do is refer new customers to a group that's like, right. I'm going to fuck the CEO. Right. <laughs> also, I'm going to put this rotisserie chicken up my butt. Like, <laughs> and I want to lick Stency Wegman's butthole. Like, <laughs> they can't acknowledge we exist. And I am a social media expert in my free time. So like, I know how valuable of an asset we are mm -hmm. to Wegmans. And the fact that they can't acknowledge us because I personally am too stupid on the internet. <laughs> gives me such great joy. I <laughs> love that my hobby is cyberbullying Danny Wegman that's, in front of 12,000 people. That's pretty awesome. It <laughs> is the best. <laughs> I power trip off of it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like, I get it. It's so funny that a billion dollars can't silence just a little bit of stupid web clout. Mm -hmm. He's a billionaire and yeah. he can't do anything about me. And I can just be over here like, yeah, that's right. Your pretzel nuggets are delicious. I put one in my butt <laughs> <laughs> over like a gorilla meme. And like a thousand people like it. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is some weird attention seeking behavior on my part. But, <laughs> but here I am. Here I am. I'm living my truth. <laughs> You have a you have a couple pages though, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's the Facebook group Danny Wegman's memes you feel good about. Um, I have my baby, the Lone Gunman Cyber Edition, which is a conspiracy theory shit posting page. Come play with us. Um, and then my friend Astrid and I also run a meme page called Not My Best Meme LLC. Uh, I run one called Red Nugent, which is a hypersexualized gun toting meme page about Ted Nugent. Uh, there's Stormy Maid, which is like my weird uh, Photoshop collage stuff. Um, oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that. Okay, we have a question fun. about that. <laughs> the reason I've gotten multiple cease and desists from Guy Fieri. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get all sorts of crazy cease and desists from the art that I make. I love it. Um, I don't know if you're picking up the theme of me really just liking poking. Like pushing. Just pushing, but not like in any substantial harmful way just yeah. being like hey look what you can do if you fuck around hard enough <laughs> online give me some attention a little bit just a little <laughs> bit um but also uh, i like i genuinely just like making people laugh and being stupid online is a really great way to do it yeah, yeah totally yeah and like i have people come up to me and say i only use facebook because of what you post which is like I, the power goes to my head a little bit, but also I'm glad to hear that like I can make someone laugh by looking at the hell site yeah. during a part of their day. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. 
Like today I posted a tweet that made me like actually laugh out loud that it was, it was the Buster rhymes. It was the Worcester rhymes. <laughs> 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 like it's such a stupid sentiment, but it made me laugh so goddamn hard. And then, you know, like 50 people like it and I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I managed to, you know, distract from everyone being mad about the election and about coronavirus and about all the terrible things that you read online to have a moment of like, just laughing at something absurd. Yeah. That means a lot to me. Yeah. That's cool. So that's that's honestly what I seek to do the most with my dumb bullshit I do online is just cheer people up a little bit, make them laugh at the absurdity that is existing. Yeah. We when we talk about you, um, we always talk about you as like the bright light. Aww. Like you just like you walk into a metal show. It's like a metal <laughs> show, right? Yeah. And like they're stormy and like her glowing aura covered in glitter yeah and it's fantastic <laughs> like double fisting your jennies with your fucking backpack on with your cauldron in it. <laughs> listen the real reason i carry the backpack is just so i can shove my hoodie somewhere while i'm at the show oh okay i get it because the bug jars floor is gross <laughs> i don't want to put my stuff yeah on it, it is i don't uh, even want to put my shoes on it no no <laughs> fair <laughs> um so that's that's really what the backpack is about, but it definitely accumulates weird stuff inside of it all the time. People just hand me things. They're like, that's this is your problem cool. now. Oh, God. Why have you given me a finger with a face on it? <laughs> Shane, why did you do this to me? Um, so college. College. You graduated with a bachelor's in fine arts. I did with a minor in art theory. So what was like your intention there? Um, I thought I was gonna, my field of study was historic process photography. So any photographic methods pre 1900. Um, I have a little bit of a mad scientist streak and I really liked making my own photo paper, uh, mixing my own chemistry, coding my own photo paper. Like I know how to do the photographic process in a lot of processes completely from start to finish. Like you can hand me paper and chemicals like just regular drawing paper not photo paper and chemicals and like a piece of glass and i can generate an image from that with like a cardboard box and it's 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 crazy it's, it's like doing magic basically um it sounds like magic there are no jobs <laughs> <laughs> um and you know being from rochester i thought oh well, i'll nail a job at the eastman house but it's it's really competitive i don't have a master's there's no money in fine art um and i gotta eat yeah. so it didn't quite pan out but I also made a lot of use of my time in college learning how to do a lot of different fine art things so like mastering graphic design software sound editing software movie editing software uh, doing traditional printmaking methods um, and learning alternative process photography and art school is cool because it also teaches you like how to take criticism well and how to have critical thinking and yep. how to like talk to people about the art that you make um, so even though I'm not studying or working in the field that I did for my main study, I feel like it was still important and formative to where I ended up. And yeah. I, I don't regret it at all. I mean, other than that, I have to pay back like a disgusting sum of money, but that's everyone. Who's, yeah. Everyone, that's just everywhere. everyone. Yep. Yeah. That's just part of being a person these days. Yeah. Part of mainstream. Yep. 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 Where did that interest come from? Um... I'd always liked photography. Mm -hmm. It's very meditative mm -hmm. for me, especially like the dark room processes where you're in literally a dark room and all there are like white noises from water running and fans. Mm -hmm. And it's like a very repetitive Zen process. And I'm like a very anxious and high strung person by nature. So to find something that was like quieting to my brain like that mm -hmm. was 
always very soothing and centering mm-hmm. for me. And also I get like really overstimulated when I do things. So to have a little task, like take pictures yeah. while you're outside makes it easier for me to like navigate the world basically. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, reframing what I'm looking at through a photographer's lens versus just like being overstimulated by reality being thrown in my face is helpful. Yeah. And and I still do photography to this day. Like um, I post pictures of my hike in the cemetery every mm-hmm. Thursday. And I see that as kind of like a, ongoing photography project and then like i hope that when i travel people like my photographs because i definitely take a ton of them when i go on my uh insane adventures all the time too we love them (laughs) even your walks your thursday walks yeah through the cemetery it's amazing thank you Yeah, yeah it's it's fun to do and like it's you know it's what makes me go work out is like the incentive to go take beautiful photographs and also to turn my brain off and go hiking yeah feels really good and to have a place that beautiful Literally, like, a 15-minute walk from my house is awesome. Um, And I really like hiking it during the winter, too, because even though we are in the heart of the city of Rochester, where Mount Hope Cemetery is, I can have, like, the entire cemetery to myself. Yep. And it's really cool to, like, have that much alone space to yourself, even in the center of a city. So, like, yesterday when I went hiking and it was literally ice storming out, um... I didn't care because I had an entire city park to myself. And that's such a unique, cool space to occupy and like actually gives me the physical and mental space mm-hmm. to like flush the garbage thoughts out of my brain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. What's in your bag? My bag? <laughs> yeah. What's in your bag, baby? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we edit. <clears throat> um, all right, so you're <laughs> relatively... Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. Gotta slam the bang energy yeah, drink. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Slamming bangs. So <laughs> you're relatively new in the metal scene. Yes. But a pretty strong presence. Uh, you're I, very supportive. Yes, uh, I just love it. <laughs> so what kind of got you into metal? Um, My coworkers, Kevin and Mark, are in the band Christ. Mm-hmm. And to be polite... I went to go see one of their shows just being like, all right, well, they've asked me like six times to come see their band play. I should probably not be an asshole and (laughs) go see my friend's band play. And I went and I just had this like moment of like, oh shit, I love this. This is amazing. I'd never been to a metal show before. Like I'd seen some post-rock shows. I'm really into post-rock. So I'd I'd seen like, you know, Godspeedy Black Emperor, Russian Circles, Deaf Heaven, um, trying to think who else I've seen over the years Caspian like all sorts of really cool stuff that you know touches on being heavy but wasn't like actually you know like thrash or something yeah, like that or, yeah or uh, as I discovered from Slaco, I f- fucking love technical death metal mm-hmm. so like this this door just had never opened for me before and I'd never gone to a live metal show before like you know I'd listened to Black Sabbath yeah. and like you know had touched on you know the the broader entry points for heavy metal like obviously i work with mark and kevin so i'd listened to iron maiden by that point yeah but seeing it live is such a colossally different experience yep and i'd gotten kind of jaded with the shows honestly like most of the stuff that i was into which is to say like post-rock noise indie rock electronic it's a lot of people standing in the back with their arms folded or on like way too many drugs and wiggling in very uncomfortable ways (laughs) yes so like i had hit a point where i was like okay well shows are just kind of like posturing and it's fun to see the band live but that's what you go for whereas like 
when I go to metal shows, I love that everyone is like dancing and headbanging and like punching each other. And everyone is like really having a good yeah. time and like really having one and bonding with the music. And it's really amazing to see people get that into the live music that they're seeing. And also to be part of that is mm -hmm. awesome. Like, yes. It, it, and I don't mean then like the overuse, like, Oh, this is awesome. Sort yeah. of way. like it is genuinely an awesome thing to behold. Like, yes. Seeing people that moved by the music that they're listening to where they completely lose all self-consciousness of their body and just start like windmilling. <laughs> I love it. I love yes. it. And uh, it speaks to me that way too. Like I'm very anxious I have a lot of racing thoughts all the time. When I go to heavy metal shows, my brain turns off. Yeah. It's so overstimulating that my brain turns off. And I love that feeling. Yep. I can relate 100%. Yep. I think you can too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can. A lot of people I talk to say that that's one of the reasons they like it so much is because it's like both a good catharsis and your, your brain turns off when you're yep. listening to it. Yep. It's kind of funny. So we have like this really tight knit metal community yeah. like the bug jar and photo city and so you go to these shows and we all know each other yeah and we all claim to have like this social anxiety yeah but when we walk into photo city and bug jar like i feel like all of us like leave that shit at the door well and it's i think it's because it's a tight knit scene like we all know each other yeah at this point yeah. and and it's been really great being welcomed into it too as a newcomer to it um everyone is so nice it's insane. Like, yeah. I think that at one point metalheads got a bad rap of like, yeah. Oh, they're the bad guys. Yep. Bad things are going to happen at metal shows. And like, if someone like grazes me on the shoulder, like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And yeah. I'm like, uh, I just punched you. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> Maybe I'm the bad person in this situation. Um, uh, and there's this like awesome sense of camaraderie and it's so cool to see like pretty much everyone I feel like is in a band and then they go out to see each other's bands. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, uh, it's just good to see a, a music scene, like really being strong, supporting itself and being able to bring cool stuff in too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have a really strong metal scene. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I think it's one of Rochester's like strongest music scenes genuinely, especially someone who was an outsider until very recently, like, even not participating in the metal scene, I was acutely aware of how good our metal scene was. And huge. Huge. Absolutely huge. Like I'd been part of smaller music scenes in Rochester before. The biggest one of note probably being like the chiptune scene that happened here from like 2010 to 2013. And like even for a good show of that, you'd get, I think Anamanaguchi brought out like a hundred people. Yeah. Which is like, typical for a larger name act at the book jar. Right. Yeah. Like every, you know, even vaguely act that was major for two years in like 1992 can turn out that many people at the book jar. Mm. And it's awesome to see. And I feel like, uh, Rochester audiences from what I see and what the bands like even say on stage, I know the band is always like, you're the best crowd we've ever had, but <laughs> I feel like I hear that more from like, touring bands and it sounds genuine of like, wow, you guys are crazy. Yeah. You've gone nuts at this show. <laughs> yes. Um, I think living in the cold probably does that to us a little yeah. bit where we're like, all right, cabin fever. Let's <sighs> yes, it's time to <laughs> scream. And, and I think metal scenes correlate kind of with that. Like black metal is so rooted in places that are cold. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think being oppressed by the weather mm -hmm. leads you to be a little bit nuts in a certain way that pushes you towards mm -hmm. heavy metal. And 
you know, if you're cooped up in the dark for six months, maybe burning down a church does seem like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get some heat, right? Yeah. Uh, whatever. Stir it up a little bit. I've been in my house for six months. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Stormy Main. Oh, yeah. Um, so I make digital collages based on pop culture figures, junk food, and memes. Um, and I sort of see it as like a canonization of web culture. So like uh, in art history, different forms of art traditionally had vocabularies used to elevate their subject matter. So like religious art, for instance, yep. there's a vocabulary for saying like, this is the Virgin Mary, she's important. Um, and I like to use, and um, Eastern art too, like traditional psychedelic spiritual art from... India, Pakistan, that region, like the mandala, uh, meditative art, I guess, almost drawing on those two archetypes for this is important art. And then putting a Guy Fieri on it and then saying like, I'm a fuck boy. It's <laughs> just like very deeply appealing to me. And, and I think there are things that have happened on the internet that deserve like, you know, the Sistine Chapel treatment, like, Guy Fieri's presence online is hilarious to me. The him is a meme. His him is an icon of like Dionysian excess. Like, of course, someone should be making religious portraiture of him. <laughs> and of course, it's through like a nightmare psychedelic lens because everything is through a nightmare psychedelic right. lens these days. Yeah. Like, that's just what existing is now. So I hope with my stuff that it kind of takes something that uh, we take for granted or don't really think too hard about, like, like Grumpy Cat or like. I don't know how good garbage plates are and by recontextualizing it as like this weird religious looking meme art, it allows people to both enjoy it on an aesthetic level, but then also take like kind of a symbolic read of it too. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Art degree. Art. <laughs> I'm oh, in art. so much debt to be able to do this. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I have a question. I'm probably going to sound ignorant. No. You can take, you can take a drink. Can I can I ask a question? Well, yeah, go ahead. It's a it's a quick quick answer. Um, but mine is still about art. Okay. No, okay. I I just wanted to ask where you saw the first Metal Christ show. What what venue? Bug jar. Bug jar. Okay. Yep. Which I'd been going to shows at for years and had never seen the room erupt like that uh -huh. before either. It was amazing seeing the space. That's not true. I'd seen it once like that when I was in high school. Um, my parents <laughs> snuck me in to a show to go see Mark Rapone's old band, the UV rays play uh -huh. when I was very underage, but because I had my parents with me, the dork, I was like, I guess you can go in. <laughs> your mom and dad are with you. Like, how do they say no? <laughs> also that, but like, <laughs> I was also such a dweeb. Like I never would have even. Did you have your um, cape on? I was a little bit older than no, that. Right. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish. Uh, no, I probably had like trip pants on okay. and maybe like a little Bo Peep ate all her sheep t-shirt. So equally cringe, but honestly not as cool so as wearing different the So like a Sue Heck look. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like loved Johnny the suicidal maniac. All right. Homicidal maniac okay. stuff. Just, you know, anything you could get at Hot Topic at 2005, okay. I was very on board for. Right. Everyone has to start right, somewhere. Cool, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't cape shame. I'm not. Her. I I'm think not. she should reintroduce the cape. <laughs> yeah. I think you should. I would be down for that. Mm. 
<laughs> Maybe. You should put, <laughs> we'll see. Put like a, a Danny Wagman black metal <laughs> meme on the back of the cape. <laughs> I can start wearing corpse paint, but yeah. that makes me look like Danny Wagman. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Get like a, a Versace cape yeah. to wear around. Yes. Maybe a top hat. <laughs> Pick up a Coke problem. I don't know, man. <laughs> parody, parody, parody. <laughs> All right, sorry. It was supposed to be a quick question. I didn't mean it's, to fine. Track. it's fine. All right. So I used to be, when I was in high school, I was so into art. Mm-hmm. And I had this wicked art teacher. Um, I think I remember telling you this story in like 10th or 11th grade. I like literally blocked this moment out. So she's going through like these slides, right? Of like these different arts and different eras. Mm-hmm. And she comes upon like, I don't even know what era it is, but like those white... Um, sculptures without the arms. Oh, yeah. Greek and Roman sculpture. Okay. So I raised my hand and I politely said, why don't these have arms? And she kicked me out of class. No. She tried to to suspend me. Did she think you were like being a butt? I think she was because like I was a butt in school, but Uh, I was a butt that was like really interested in art. So I was never a butt in her class. Yeah. But, like, I genuinely wanted to learn about... Because none of those statues have arms. Right. Why don't they have arms? They fell off. Because <laughs> they're old. Because <laughs> they're old as shit. <laughs> no. I just thought the artists weren't good at hands. <laughs> no artist is good at hands. Don't believe anyone who says that they are. We all draw the mittens, man. <laughs> like sausages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that moment sucked. And then I was like, fuck art fuck art and then i never went back to her class ah yeah i mean art sucks honestly the art world is terrible um i sort of try to occupy almost like a diy punk niche space with it because being successful at art is just a racket to launder money for rich people i'm not interested in that i want to put stickers in people's hands so instead of like trying to do like the oh yes i went to art basil in miami this year and i sold my banana tape to a wall for (laughs) half a million dollars that is the state of modern art fuck that Uh i'm over it i I want no part of that i want to make things that people like to look at and that enrich their lives um well that's what art is or what art should be ideally yes unfortunately i have horrible brain poisoning from having an art theory degree so i'm like art doesn't mean everything but also it means everything yeah. and then oh, that's not help it's not helpful uh, walk up to someone who doesn't have like an, a degree in art and say that to them and they're like okay crazy shut up <laughs> um f- show me a painting of a blue dog and i'm like okay well this is what people actually enjoy is like an aesthetic experience versus like and, and like i love challenging conceptual art i think it's fantastic i think it creates a space where you can have it uh it, both experiment with how you perceive things and like interact with the world around you or like let yourself be overwhelmed by the color blue you know there are all sorts of cool experiences that yeah. can happen with art and i think we should teach it so that people can have that literacy but we live in a society man and like People don't want a Eve Klein painting that's blue and makes you like feel weepy when you look at it. People want something that they enjoy looking at and that makes them smile. It, you know, it goes back to my web output too. Genuinely, what I want to do the most is make people laugh at the absurdity of the world that we exist in. 
And if it's making fine art portraits of Guy Fieri, then so be it. I also don't know why I keep making them. It just keeps happening. (laughs) (laughs) I like, you know, art is such a spiritual, intense experience where like you open yourself up to the universe to see what comes out. And for some reason, when I open that door, Guy Fieri portraits come out. (laughs) And I'm like, why am I like this? (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Like I used to make like really sensitive, deep, depressed art about like, interactions between dreams and reality and like what is the true experience what is subjective reality and it ended up just being like a lot of navel gazing and uh wallowing in my own depression which sucks Mm, yeah and so i was like what do i make art about that makes me happen i'm like curly fries (laughs) let's (laughs) make a guy and yeah a guy (laughs) and unicorns and we're gonna put grumpy cat in it and let's just see what happens we're gonna put a dolphin right there let's see what (laughs) happens does this make me feel good and you know i messed around until i i found art that cheered me up while i was making it and then i you know would it started with just giving like pins that i made to my friends of like the drawing of toast with a smiley face on it and it made them so happy it was like how I have this ability. Why wouldn't I share it with the people around me? And it's just sort of gone downhill from there <laughs> or uphill. uphill. I don't know. It, it went somewhere from there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And now there's a portrait of Guy Fury where his head is photoshopped into a weed. Nook, <laughs> so that exists. Thanks universe. <laughs> and a cease and desist somewhere out there. And cease and desists. Um, I've had art heists now too. I had an art show up at Lux a handful of years ago and three different of my pieces got stolen from it. Um, Carrie's never had a theft since or like before that or after that from the bar. Uh, and like they were on foam core. So it's like, bulky to get out i understand being able to sneak out the 11 by 17 ones it's like i don't know you could slip it up your shirt or something but someone stole a 24 by 36 portrait of guy fieri from the bar how do you get that out how do they i don't know but they did and also i'm like i'm like 50 percent pissed that someone stole from gary but I'm also 50% so stoked yeah. that someone liked my work so right. much that they had that to they stole they, it. They committed a crime yeah. to have it. Yeah. And I'm over here like, you could have just asked. I would have like <laughs> given you some stickers or something, but <laughs> they had such a strong emotional reaction to the absurd things that I make that they had to take it so that they could have it. And that is a huge compliment. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm. Like, that means a lot to me. Whoever yeah. stole that piece, big ups. Don't tell me who you are. I don't. Because it'll I, ruin it. I, also, I just don't want to know. I, but because um, if I know, then I have the burden of knowing that you stole from Lux. But uh, good on you. Don't do that again. <laughs> just ask. I'll give and you, thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you. Don't do that again. Ask. I'll give you some stickers. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Let's break for some tunes. All right. First up is Stunner, <laughs> Stormy's Friends from Florida. Uh, the song we're going to play is Off the Rails. Then after that, we're going to hear uh, black metal band a Nocturnal Frost from Minnesota with their song Trials of the Northern Witch.
Do you have any artists, past or present, that you are inspired by? Or Lisa Frank. Okay. <laughs> Immensely Lisa Frank. Um, Murakami, he's a Japanese illustrator that I like a lot. Um, Fregonard, he was a French court painter in the 18th century. Um, I absolutely love his work. It has like this beautiful interplay of darks and lights and like this intense levity throughout all of it. Um, I really like Jean-Michel Basquiat. Uh, I think his color palettes are unbelievable and the sort of like visceral reactions you get to his paintings are awesome. Um, and there are lots of photographers I like too, cause that's more my forte. So like Nan Golden is this amazing photographer from the eighties in New York. She did this book called the ballad of sexual dependency. That's like these really raw, beautiful portraits of her friends mm. in the punk scene in the eighties in New York oh, that's and awesome. like the new wave scene. Um, Kate Simon is another amazing photographer that I highly recommend checking out. If you like New York culture portraits from the eighties, she shot everybody and the portraits are unbelievable. She's got a great Instagram account. Uh, Cindy Sherman is another photographer. I like a lot. She does really psychedelic transformative self portrait series where she'll like all of her portraits are self portraits, but it is never actually photographs of her, but her like philosophy is there, you know, truer representations because she's like orchestrating them as herself. Oh God. Who else do I like in fine art? Um, Sounds like you haven't thought about this at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, never, not never prepared at all. No, 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 <laughs> not, not a huge dork about this at all. Um, I just went to the last year. I went to the Hilma Alf Klimt show at the Guggenheim. She's really cool. She was, a uh, painter at the turn of the last century I believe I think I have the dates right on that but she was also an occultist at the same time so like all of her paintings are these explorations of like magical hermetic practices and theory and like their spells and like um there's this thing called automatic writing where people claim to channel thoughts by just like randomly writing down the idle thoughts that come through their head and then whatever like has significance to them is significant so she did that but she also did automatic painting so like she was in her mind transmitting visions from a higher realm onto her paintings and they're so ahead of their time in like her color palettes her abstractions i mean when she was painting it was most common to just do like representative lightly abstracted paintings like you know, Matisse was putting stuff out at yeah. the same time that she was painting. And meanwhile, she's like making psychedelic pop art and like these weird, totally abstracted, non-representational paintings and has like this whole theosophist like spiel to go along with it. That is unbelievably cool. And like one of the themes of the show was that she had predicted that she would have her art up in a great snail shaped cathedral to art a hundred years in the future when the public was finally ready for it. And what is a giant snail-shaped cathedral to art but the Guggenheim? So it was, like, really cool to see. And, like, the Guggenheim didn't even exist when she was making art. She had no conception of that this is would be, like, an art museum that would exist. And yet, from the past, she, like, manifested this vision that was executed well after her death. And I just think that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. And the paintings are beautiful, too. And it, it's hard to find voices of female occultists as well. So, like, to see one so amazingly represented who was so important both to the development of fine art and also to occult philosophy was really incredible to see. Yeah. I, it's not often that I like 
cry at paintings. I mean, it might also be that I was like hitting my vape pen way too hard the entire time (laughs) I was at the show. But there was one painting that I just like stood in front of and cried for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, what is up with my life? Is this this a crisis moment? Or am I like really having an art moment at the same time? Is it, does it matter which one it is? I don't know. It doesn't. It had the uh, impact on me. And so, you know, art has this amazing ability to, take you to other places in your mind and to make you feel different things and heavy metal is the same way absolutely i was going there myself tying it back around yep <laughs> i love yeah, it that's great um so let's talk about the record archive let's talk about the record archive did you know it's the place to go yes we do <laughs> yes we do <laughs> so we fucking talk about that place all the time because yeah. it's like our zen place yeah. i know it's probably not your zen place it actually is is I, it it's my job but like and I mean this genuinely. I say this to people like I'm so grateful for it. Uh, I come home from work every day and my face hurts because I'm smiling and laughing so much with my coworkers that I enjoy so immensely. And like, I'm a huge music nerd and I love talking to people and people watching and being around music fans. Like it couldn't be a better place for me to be. It is phenomenal. Yeah. Like it's like an adult playground for me. Yeah. Like, you walk in, and there's always a smiling face. It doesn't matter who it is. Like, everyone is so cool. Can I help you with anything? What are you looking for today? Um, And then we see all of our friends in there. Yeah. Like, at any given time. Yep. You, Lon, Kev, Mark, Mm -hmm. Danny. Like, we miss Ryan, though. Oh, my God. I miss Ryan, too. Yeah. Um, I love his Instagram content he's putting out right now, like the Wednesday's wisdom thing oh, yeah, that he's I doing. That. The messages from the orb <laughs> yeah. every Wednesday. And then also Moog Mondays are fantastic too. <laughs> he's killing it on social media. But I also I genuinely miss Ragai. Yeah. We um <laughs> did he ever tell you about that awkward exchange that we had? No. <laughs> so fantastic. So for the longest time I called him Brian. Oh no. And you know Ryan is like Such the nicest guy he just ever. Let it go. I'm yeah, sure. forever. And then finally one day he's like, he like just called it out. He's like, this makes me really yeah. uncomfortable <laughs> to have to do. And I'm like, it's gonna stop serving me. <laughs> You're and cut he's off. Like, he's like, my name's Ryan, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's such an angel too. Like, <laughs> you don't want to break that guy's heart at all because he's so sweet. <laughs> I felt so bad. Oh, it's okay. My face is getting red now, probably. Uh, He's like, I give him credit he, for saying that, though. Yeah, like, and it made him so uncomfortable. Yeah, but good for him for saying yeah. that. Yeah. I, yes. I feel like if it was me, I would, wouldn't have said anything. I would just, yeah, you're just called the wrong name forever. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, good for him for saying that. I, well, I think part of it, too, is that like we know you guys, and eventually it's like, well, they're my friends they should probably like know my real right. name yeah at some point they're gonna find out that it's not brian and i'd rather it be for yeah. me yeah. than from like something else yeah. yeah that's a good point stormy oh ryan yeah it's ryan, it's ryan. yeah and then ever since then it turned into a joke yes. like, hey, hey brian, brian. <laughs> see you have an inside joke now that's even better that's what friendship is really based on and then he went away i know but he's he's gonna do great things yeah he's crushing it he is he's killing it we're we're gonna in five years be like we know Ryan Flynn. <laughs> we talked about him on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Rochester's we about own Prince. <laughs> God, his music is so good. It is 
and seeing how he's grown as an artist too, like since I saw it, the first time I saw him, he was playing at Love and Cup and I think it was two and a half years ago now. Um, and like, it was good. It was really good. But like to see his growth and how he's fleshed out his songs and changed out the sound and like evolved so much as an artist and a stage persona is so cool to see. Like he went from being good to being amazing. Yeah. And it's just heartwarming to see someone like practice their art and get really, 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 yeah. really good at yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's very cool to see. And especially when it's someone, you know, so like you see a little bit behind the scenes too. I also love like the alter ego of Ryan Flynn. I was like, going to mention that synth pop wizard. And then like Rye guy, <laughs> chill coworker. Like, yeah. He's like the chillest, most laid back, like easygoing person. And then he gets on stage and you're like, what with the a shiny shirt, with the shiny shirt, <laughs> with the contact lenses, with the light up shoes, being a wizard of the synthesizer, giving off Prince energy. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> How can you not be happy? No, I know exactly. And like, he's so magnetic on stage. It's his stage presence is amazing. Yeah, it is. I agree. When he gets the guitar out. Oh my God. I love it. Like it's great to see. <laughs> I love, I love a guitar. <laughs> it even sounds fun to say. It does. Guitar. 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 <laughs> You're not going to get in on the guitar chain. I'm just Same. listening. Say it. <laughs> say guitar. I can't. Why not? Do I'll it. say it like when nobody's. Yeah. Guitar. It'll be in the background. Guitar. 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 Oh, that word's broken now. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You did it. All right. So record archive. Yes. Where did Metal Meltdown come from? Because we talk about it almost every show. Yeah. <laughs> every week. I think. And I could be wrong about this. The first thing that uh, was the roots of Metal Meltdown was when Metallica put out, oh God, what was the last one they just put out? No, not just put out, like three years ago. Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Mm. When they put that one out, we did a midnight release of it. And we had such an awesome turnout for it that um, I think Mark and Kevin were like, we should do a Metal Happy Hour. Mm. And then we had the opportunity to have Mastodon come do a signing like fairly shortly thereafter. And I believe that the Mastodon signing was the first official Metal Meltdown. Um, so that's a great way to kick off is to have fucking Mastodon come yeah. and hang out at your record store yeah. and drink beers with you at a happy hour. Like, obviously everyone wants to go to that. Yeah. And then it just got, you know, the reception to it was really, really good. And people kept coming. The only bad metal meltdown we've ever had was when we decided to go up against Iron Maiden yeah. and nobody came. There were like six people that Not night. even us. That's we fine. <laughs> Don't compete with Iron fucking Maiden. <laughs> Bruce made us go. Yeah, good. <laughs> I was mad that I wasn't at that show. We almost wanted to message you guys and be like, can you yeah. make it Wednesday? Yeah, yeah we, in retros <laughs> it's good that we didn't book a band for that one. Um, yeah. And that was the only one in recent history that we haven't had a band for. And otherwise, like... I think one of the best things that's happened in the evolution of metal meltdown is having the live music during it too, as well as the vinyl DJing. Yeah. Um, both in a sense of like getting to support the community, but also like, I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I want to go to bed at like 10 and see a metal show. Exactly. Oh, it's our, <laughs> like, yes. it can't be any more perfect for us. You right. guys yeah. have fantastic beer, 
fantastic music. Heck yeah. All of our friends there. Yep. And you want to talk about community. Yeah. I mean, uh, the last one we did with um, Gates of Paradox was one of our best attended ones yet. And we had like a hundred people there for it, which is like a good sized crowd for a metal show Mm -hmm. too. It absolutely is. Especially for a local band on a a weeknight on Tuesday at 8 p.m. And we got a hundred people out for it. I think that's a testament to how much fun Metal Meltdown yep. is. And also, I don't know, like, yes, I love punching and being wild at a metal show, but sometimes it's also fun to sit down during one. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I don't get to sit down during them because I'm pouring everyone's beers, but I can imagine it must be very nice. <laughs> it is very nice. Mm-hmm. It is very nice. It's also very fun to bartend for because I get to see all my friends come mm-hmm. in and to chat with them about beers and then catch a great metal band and... And have, it's chill. It's chill. Like, nobody's an asshole. No, like, God, no. Yeah. They're, honestly, Mellow Meltdown, I think, is our best happy hour um, of all the ones that we do, both weekly and throughout the month. The crowd is awesome. It's always like a very supportive, wonderful turnout. It's the only one that I usually don't have to even bust tables for because everyone's like, I'm just bringing gonna, their bar. Yeah, their everyone's beers like back. super tidy. It <laughs> takes like 10 minutes to knock down the room after everyone leaves. Which again ties back to that like weird stereotype of like metalheads, they're bad. Mm-hmm. It's like mm, I think you're grossly mistaken about that. Like, yeah. They have it... long hair, but they're not bad. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> sure, they might clog up the shower drain, but that's like <laughs> the greatest of their sins. <laughs> or maybe have some cringy tattoos, but who doesn't these days? <laughs> right? Right? We all do. I certainly do. I've done my part. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So whose idea was it to put a bar in a record store? That's Elena's idea. Our uh, owner, Elena. Um, So we've partnered. Where to start? Record Store Day uh, partners with Dogfish Head every year. Okay. um, For a custom beer that comes out for Record Store Mm -hmm. Day. We are one of the... Uh, owners of Record Store Day, and we are also one of the founding members of Record Store Day. So beyond it just being the event in April and then the limited releases in November, it's also a trade organization with three different coalitions of record stores as members, as well as any independent record store that wants to participate. Has, I don't even know if they have to go through a vending process. Don't quote me on that. But as long as you like pay dues, you can come to a conference, you can participate in Record Store Day. And it's become like a very big force for contending with the major labels in the record industry because all of a sudden you have a thousand record stores yeah. at the table saying we want to do this versus just, you know, like one small record store somewhere, you know, that has like three employees being like, hey, can you do this? Not a big voice. But when you have like people like Amoeba and people like Waterloo Records in Texas and Newberry Comics in Boston and I'll toot our own horn record archive in Rochester. Oh, well, of course. Coming through and being like, hey, listen, you got to do this. Um it's, it's awesome. So anyways, Record Store Day always, or has been for, I think at least eight years now, partnered with Dogfish Head for a limited release. And we were doing tastings and then also selling Dogfish Head beer uh, on Record Store Day. We got these like limited vending licenses. Mm-hmm. So like you'd get a liquor license for a day mm-hmm. for a special event. We were selling just like a mountain of beer. And it was like, oh shit, of course, when you go to a concert, you want to have a beer. Mm-hmm. If you're in a record store, maybe you also want to have a beer. Um, So Elena, you know, really did the legwork and figured out that we could be very successful as a bar and a record store at the same time. Yep. And it's blossomed into this like amazing venue too. And I feel like it's really 
ingrained us deeper into the music community than we had been before because now we have more things to offer to our local music community like we are now a very viable venue for you to play at Mm -hmm. you can sell our record at the place and you can also like meet other like-minded people during any of our events back there with it it's a social lubricant and i think that's the greatest thing it's added to the business yeah also, just from a personal standpoint, I love getting off my shift, getting a beer, and going record shopping. <laughs> like, well, yeah. It's so... Like, record shopping is already a delight, and so is drinking craft yeah. beer. But to get to do them together at the same yeah. time is just... Yeah. yeah. Magnificent. Absolutely. It's, it's a brilliant combination that yeah. that all record stores should have. <laughs> Agreed. It. I wish it was easier to get liquor licenses, because I would love to see it in every yeah. record store I went to. And, yeah. Just grab a pint, go shopping. And the beer selection it's, is really impressive. Yeah, yeah, who picks out your beer selection? Um, Don Elcott does the most of it. Uh, Elena and I do input on that as well. And any of the bar staff, if they're there when the reps come by, gets input on what we put in. So it is, it is very much a group project. We have a bunch of beer nerds who just like good beer and want to have an excuse to sell it. Phenomenal. Yeah. Excellent palette. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think I can't think of a bar that has a better selection. And and you guys are like a record store. Yeah. Our bar closes at 8 p.m. most yeah, days. You're a hidden gem. <laughs> totally. Yeah. We went in there one night and it, there was like a private event. Oh, yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? And we were like, oh, we're going to try this beer. And we're like going through our smartphone like, oh, this beer, this beer. And he's like, um, Sorry, guys, like, you can hang out for, like, a little yeah. while, but then I have to give you a cup and, like, send you out into the yeah. store. So that's what we yeah. did. Like, yeah. we just drank. Yeah. Day drank and, like, record chopped. Yeah. Yep. And there are couches tucked around the store, too, because we know that'll happen periodically. So, yeah. like, even if you can't get into the lounge. Oh, we were so bummed. We were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we just expanded the lounge, too, which has been amazing for us. We added, uh, I think, another, like, 400 square feet to the space, 300 square feet. Um, and now we can fill up even bigger shows with it, which is yeah, it's huge. very tight. It's enormous back there. Yeah. We went from an eight foot bar to like a 30 foot. No, way bigger than that. The first bar was eight feet. I think the current one is like 36 feet long. Yeah. It it's huge. About right. It's yeah. enormous it, now. Yeah, it is. We went from three taps to 12 taps. And then I think we have something like 80 beers in stock. A little bit of domestic here and there, but it's mostly craft beer and it's mostly New York State craft beer, Which too. Which we love. And our, our wine selection, too, is awesome if you are a wine person. I'm personally not. It, I'm not either. It gives me hives and makes me get hot flashes. Very fun. Turns me into Becky. Uh, ooh. <laughs> ooh. I almost want to no. see that. No. no. I'll be staying the night at your yeah. house that night then because he is over this Becky. Is Becky free zone. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the wine selection is tremendous too. If you're into wines, it's an amazing like wine bar as well as being like the quality of our craft beer selection is just as good as the quality of our wine selection. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I, you know, I love craft beer. It pairs p- perfectly with music. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just go hand in hand organically. Like also the demographics. Having recently given a presentation at our trade organization about the partnerships between record stores and craft beer, um, the demographics <laughs> for who are buying it is exactly the same. So like... I love your face. <laughs> <laughs> this is my very serious yeah. business voice. <laughs> He's like, uh... <laughs> Talk dirty to me. <laughs> Stand down there. <laughs> you have to call me mistress now. 
<laughs> um, no, it, it's the same people. The same people who collect records are the same people who are buying craft beer. Yep. It's the exact same demos. Yep. So to have one and marry it with the other is just a natural. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. And then you have all these fun little gadgets to shop around for too. Yeah. Oh my God. Every knickknack you can possibly think it's of. It's amazing. Do you need rubber chickens? Do you need a Donald Trump toilet bowl cleaner? Do you need like a uh, Beyonce praying candle? Yeah, a Beyonce prayer candle, a mug that <laughs> says, bitch, please. I'm from Rochester. <laughs> like we've got it. We've got it for you. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. A little bit of something for everybody. Even if you're not a music fan or a record collector, you'll still have fun in our mm-hmm. store. And yes, like you said before, it's a playground for adults. It it's, really is. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I even have people who come in just to like hang out. They don't come in to buy anything. And that's great too. Come be part of the community. Yeah. yeah. Just come vibe with us. Yeah. It's we a, do that sometimes. Yeah. Well, we know we always buy yeah. something. I lie. <laughs> I totally lie. There, but you could. <laughs> yeah. There's even like a pretty big audio equipment section. Yeah. Yeah. And- yeah, we buy and sell a ton yeah. of vintage audio yeah. equipment. Um, it was just like a natural that came with buying and selling records was maybe we should sell the stuff that people listen to records on. Um, that's been really fun, actually, is uh, I started working in the vinyl department just about a year ago after doing uh, bar and social media almost exclusively for a while. And then before that, being just like a front end clerk for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um learning how to hook up sound systems. It's tight. <laughs> like I, I remember when I moved into my first apartment and I had these awful speakers and this awful receiver and like the world's worst turntable, just like all together. And like, I couldn't hook it up. I like looked at them and had a panic attack and had to make my boyfriend hook it up for me. <laughs> and now I'm the friend that people call him like stormy stormy the left channel is out on my speaker and i'm like i will be right there and it's my girlfriends calling me up to do it too because they don't want to like own up to their boyfriends and they accidentally messed up their sound system and they don't know how to fix it i get it so like i'm stoked that i can help out with that and i will not even begin to pretend like i'm good i'm good at it and i can evaluate stuff and i can troubleshoot pretty well but like it's amazing seeing when like mark and kevin just rip a turntable open that I thought was dead and they bring it back to life with like a little bit of elbow grease and some bullshitting with each other. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it works again. Like it's, it's awesome to see and it's been awesome to learn about too. Yeah. I I can imagine. Absolutely. I have opinions about audiophile equipment, which is like a genre of nerd that I hoped that I would never become. But now here I am and I'm like kind of, stoked on it of like oh yeah i know about speakers <laughs> oh yeah i know what a moran amplifier is very cool <laughs> <laughs> i feel another facebook group coming out oh god no <laughs> absolutely not uh, for my own sanity i don't think i can keep doing this to myself also yeah. I, I don't want to deal with audio files <laughs> oh my god <laughs> unless it's to roast them i'm not ready for that yet well let's play a couple audio files <laughs> clever <laughs> Uh, first, let's hear uh, "Warforged" with the song "We've Been Here Before." And this—that's a this is a Brian Mason uh, recommendation. That cool is cool band. Yep, uh, and then we're gonna go into Chemis with "Isolation."
So what's your opinion on like vintage audio equipment and like modern digital media? Do um, each have their place? Do you yeah. have a preference? Uh, I have two preferences and it's a situational thing entirely. Right. So like, obviously if I'm going out for a hike, I can't bring my sound system you with me. can't bring me. a turntable? No, <laughs> I am too clumsy. <laughs> I will break things. Um, so like, I really like Spotify and streaming. I swear by it. And it's the most amazing tool for finding new music. And honestly, I buy more vinyl now that I have Spotify because I can listen to an album start to finish and know that I feel confident spending like 24 bucks on yeah. a record. Yep. Um, whereas before that, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot of like, oh, well, I like three songs yeah. off of this. Am I going to pay $24 for it? Yeah. No. Yeah. No was the answer. But yeah. now I'm like, okay, cool. This is a bop. I'm going to spend money on it because it's a physical product that I appreciate. So Spotify is cool for discovery. It's also great for like throwing a playlist yeah. on background music. It's a great tool for sharing music with your friends. Mm -hmm. Like I was a big mix CD person when I was in high school um, and made mixes for everybody all the time. So, and I still do that. If anyone ever asks for like a playlist or a mix or recommendations, people be like, can you tell me one band? I'm like, give me a day. I will give you five hours of music for the thing you are looking <laughs> for because that's just how my brain works. I'm good at, you know, someone saying, I like this one song and me going, okay, well here are the aesthetics of the song that you like. Let me pick out stuff curated to it that you are going to like yeah. because of that. Cause I've worked in a record store for 15 years. Yep. That's just how my brain works at this point. Um, so Spotify is amazing for that. It's amazing for sharing music over distances with people that you might not have an opportunity to do so. Otherwise, like I'm in Facebook groups that are heavy metal groups where we're all sending each other playlist links all mm -hmm. the time. Whereas like that would have been the mixtape trade mm -hmm. 15 years ago. And it's so cool that you can immediately create collaborative playlists with your friends versus like having to go through the struggle of like, okay, well here are these 15 regional bands. I have to duplicate 10 copies of this tape, yeah. go to the post yeah. office, spend $40 on shipping to get it out to people. Whereas now it's like boop, 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 out the door already. Yeah. Yep. Or you can only even work on the same playlist together. I think that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But the cool thing about vinyl is that one, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Especially, and I, you know, there's the argument that vinyl sounds better versus digital. And if you have a good sound system, it definitely does. And if the record is mastered well, it definitely right. does. But big, if it is mastered well, a lot of records I feel like are not mastered properly for being played on an analog system. Right. And you just don't get that clarity right. that is so incredible about the vinyl experience when it is actually mastered properly. The other cool thing about vinyl is the intentionality of the experience. So like a playlist... You, you put it on and you walk away. You don't yeah. think about it. It's a background noise. Yep. Vinyl, you have to sit down and pay attention to. So there's the whole ritual of you go to your music collection, you bop through the shelf. You usually end up picking out something. What not, are you feeling? Yeah. What are you feeling? You can pick something that you like totally weren't planning on listening to because it caught your fancy while you were poking through, which is not something that happens on Spotify unless you're like listening to a playlist on shuffle. Um, and then, you know, you have to take it out. You have to physically touch the music, yeah. clean it. Ideally, you're cleaning your records, <laughs> dropping the needle on, and babysitting it for the 22 minutes that side A is. Then you have to get up and flip it over. Yeah. And um, that experience of like having to actually force yourself to sit down and pay attention to the music, I think, is what people mistake for vinyl sounding better. But what it really is, is you're just paying attention uh -huh. to what you're listening to. 
Um, I had a young man a couple years ago, I think really described the difference of experiences succinctly and kind of hilariously horny way, which is, and I quote, well, you know, if I'm bringing a girl home from the bar, I don't want to say to her, let's go through my Spotify playlists. (laughs) But if I say to her, let's go back to my place and listen to records that works. (laughs) It's an activity. Yeah. It's a thing to do with other people. It's a date. It's a date. It's a date. Um, and it's, it's purposeful listening to music. I think it's like a cool, happy medium between going to a concert and streaming on Spotify. Like it has that greatness of going to a concert where you have the intentionality of listening to the music and like really experiencing it in a space that you're in. Um, but has the convenience of like streaming and that you can be in your underwear and not around anybody while you're doing it. Yep. Yep. So I love both. I think that physical media will continue to be important and have a presence because it is such a fantastic experience to interact with. And I think the streaming will keep going because it's useful convenient. and convenient yep. in its own way. Yep. I think we're in a golden age for music right now. Yeah. I think we are yeah. too. Oh my God. Just like, I remember being a teenager and being into emo, but it was like hard to find the bands that influenced the bands I was into. So like, it was impossible to find a Fugazi CD in 2005. You'd have to like order them directly from the label and maybe they had them in stock. Whereas now like I can sit down and listen to Fugazi's entire discography without having to put much effort into it at all. Yep. And it's so cool to see like younger people who are into subgenres of music that would have been completely inaccessible to them 10 years ago have like complete mastery of the knowledge. Yeah. That's so cool to see, like to see a 15 year old come in and be like, owning everybody about their knowledge of classic rock. Like how on earth have you listened to every yes record? (laughs) (laughs) Well, because you have Spotify, so you can actually listen to every single yes Uh record and have like these really in depth nuanced opinions about it versus, you know, like that would have cost just an absolute fortune Uh and you would have had to order pressings from Europe and like hunt and killed it in the record stores for years to get one fifth of the records that you were looking for. Which is still part of the fun of record hunting, too. I feel like the thrill of the hunt is very good. Yep. That's part of the fun of collecting as well. Yep. Remember when we scored Peter Murphy finally? It was at the Record Archive. Hell yeah. yeah. I love it. I'm especially spoiled because I work in the vinyl department and I run a ton of the stock. So I'm like one of the first people to get to touch the records when they come in and I'm like, Oh yes, let me just grab every craft work record that I can lay my hands on. Um, and that's really fun. And also I'm glad that I'm a dork and buy things that no one else is interested in. <laughs> and I'm like, sick, another Wyndham Hill ambient record came in. And Mark and Kevin are like, this is, what is wrong with you? But they're, they're, they're funny about it too. Like they're starting to bird dog stuff for me. Cause they're like, Oh, this has a synthesizer. We can't pronounce on it. Do you want to listen to it? I'm like, yes, absolutely. I want to. Is it pedantic German music from the seventies? I'm here for it. Please, please let me listen to the synthesizers. <laughs> it's hilarious. So what was the last uh, vinyl you bought? What is the last record I bought? I haven't bought one in a hot minute because I've been traveling so much that I'm like, Storms, you can't bring any more records home Mm -hmm. right now. Um, I brought home a pretty fat stack of Prince 12 inches Mm -hmm. recently. Um, It's fun buying his 12 inch releases because the A side is what was on the album, but the B side are like these extra filthy songs Mm -hmm. that didn't get released onto Mm -hmm. albums. 
Um, so it's like really extra horny, nasty Prince music, which I'm very here for. Mm -hmm. Uh, what else did I pick up recently? Um, I got a dissection record for Christmas. Mm. I was really stoked about that. Who got you that? My boyfriend, Paul got it for me. Danny helped him pick it out for him. Good job, Paul. Paul. Uh, I know. Good job, Paul. He's, he's an angel. (laughs) Big ups to my very patient and wonderful boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) It is going to be our 10 year anniversary this year. Congratulations. It's the only good choice I made when I was 20 years old was to start dating him. (laughs) Are you guys the same age? Um, He's two years older than I am. So pretty much. Yes. Yeah. He was, he was the cool older guy when I was in college because he was 23 and I was 20. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how you guys met? Uh, No, we actually didn't go to school together. We met through Tumblr. Mm, We followed followed each other's blogs and uh, I ran a blog called fuck. Yeah. Rochester that just posted like Rochester appreciation stuff and uh, ended up, as always, being loud and extremely on my bullshit on the internet. <laughs> and he, for some reason, likes that about me. <laughs> well, that works out. It worked out great. Um, <laughs> and I'm still loud and extremely on my bullshit on the internet. Nothing has changed there. And it's cool. I have met so many incredible people through the internet over the years. Like, um, I, I, I hear it's unwise to go meet strange men from the internet, but I've also made some of my most meaningful relationships through like weirdos that I met through blogs or Facebook groups. Like my friends stunner in Gainesville, yep. I met through a Facebook group called cool freaks, Wikipedia uh-huh. club, which is where we all just shared really weird Wikipedia articles with each <laughs> other. And then Daniel from stunner, they're a huge conspiracy nut. Like I am. Well, not nut. How do I put this? aficionado. Uh, and so I started the lone gunman cyber edition, which is a conspiracy ship posting group. And Daniel was like the sixth member of the group. <laughs> and Peter, who's also in stunner was like the 10th member of the group. And yeah. we've just been, when I went down there last week, Daniel kept yelling at people, this is my friend Stormy. We've been friends online for five years. And like, I hadn't thought about that, but Daniel has been my friend for half a decade now, just through like, being dumb on the internet together. Yeah. And like now there's someone that I like make a point to travel cross country multiple times a year to go hang out with because they're one of my best friends and I want to see them in person all the time. Yep. Um, and like Paul, another example of someone I randomly met through the internet who is now literally the most important person in my life. Like I think it's, if you're smart about it, you should throw caution to the wind and meet your friends from the internet because I mean, my track record for how my friendships from online versus my track record for how friendships from real life have gone. Uh, I've had exactly two out of the like hundred people I've met through the internet go south. Whereas like, I feel like people I know in real life, that's not that batting average. It's way worse than that. Yeah. Uh, So it's great. Go meet your weird friends from the internet. We met online. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So exactly. You guys get it. You know, you find someone who is genuinely interested in the same stuff you are and you like who they are online and you meet up in person. And I feel like as a child of the nineties, you got that warning of like, anyone can pretend to be anything on the internet. But I feel like the internet actually offers people a space to be more sincerely themselves. Mm. Um, yeah. So you really get a good sense of a person through uh, if they're being genuine online, which I think more people are than you give credit yeah. for. But that's the same way in person. Yeah, true. We walk amongst serial killers. Yeah, true. True, true, true. So what was your first concert? 
Uh, first concert I can remember or first concert I got taken to? Uh, either one. First concert I got taken to, my parents took me to see Mel Torme when I was a toddler. Really? And I loved Mel Torme when I was a toddler mm. and just spent the entire time screaming Mel Torme over and over <laughs> again at the stage. <laughs> Um, I don't remember this. The first concert I do remember going to is my dad took me to see the Ramones at the U of R. Oh, that's a cool concert to see. And um, I got to meet them afterwards. So I I peaked at like six years old and will never do anything as cool ever again. Nope. I got to eat pizza with the Ramones as a six-year-old and hang out with Joey. So like, it's great. I don't have to accomplish anything. I already did it. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was tight. And then um, the first concert that I bought my own tickets for was Taking Back Sunday mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2003. Mm-hmm. And then the first music festival I went to on my own was the Pitchfork Music Festival in Chicago in 2008, which was very cool and fun. Um, definitely a Pitchfork lineup, though. It was like Spoon and Chick 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 and Health and Animal Collective. But my favorite part of that festival was Boris played the Japanese sort of like post rock, post metal mm-hmm. band. Um, and they played at the same time as Fleet Foxes, that like indie folk band. Yeah. And um, Boris was so loud that they blew out the power for the entire festival, <laughs> thus cutting Fleet Foxes set short. And I'll never forget the drummer for Boris had this like giant gong behind him and he turns around and he looks like animal from the Muppets uh-huh. and he whacks the gong and just screams into his mic, Boris need more electrical energy. <laughs> and it was like such a cool moment uh-huh. to see like the wheels completely fall off because a band rocked too hard. Cool. Yeah. Like I, I should have known that I would end up really liking metal from a lot of the moments that I had at other concerts at yep. different points in my life, but it just didn't click into place until recently. That's cool. So Boris need more electrical energy. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that all the time. And it's funny too, like seeing what Fleet Foxes has turned into over the years too. Like the main guy in it, Jay Tillman started out in a post-rock band called Saxon Shore he also does a bunch of uh, solo recording, singer songwriter stuff, and then he became like the main, you know, folksy guy in Fleet Foxes. And you know, I may know him as Father John Misty. Yep, <laughs> same guy the entire time. And yep. like, he's really interesting. He, he has, he's almost like a Bowie sort of figure, where he keeps on reinventing himself as a new like musical character over and over mm-hmm. again. And like, honestly, the stuff that he commits himself to, he does really, really well. I just not, I don't like a lot of yeah. it. Father John Misty's hilarious though. He hates like he's like he doesn't like himself or his fans, and you can tell in his songwriting where he's just like deeply resentful of this corner he's backed himself <laughs> into. It's like deeply irony poisoned and very funny to listen to. But I'm here for Boris just like completely ruining a very important festival set for him. <laughs> You'll love to see it, folks. <laughs> so Metal or non-metal, what is in your most recent playlist? Oh, um, I will pull it up, actually, because I use Last.fm, which tracks all of your scrabbles or music listens. And I'm in a Facebook group where we post our, like, top albums that we've listened to in the last week every week. So I actually have a very convenient list of the 16 albums I've listened to the most over the last week. 
clocking in at number one is Feist's Pleasure. Clocking in at number two is Feist's Medals. So on a deep, like, Canadian singer-songwriter kick there. Mm. Immediately followed by Carpathian Forest's Black Shining mm, Leather. Nice. So just total tone shift. Mm. And then, like, a bunch of Immortal, Bathory, Satyricon, Dark Throne, uh, Watane. Uh, what else have I got in here? Um, more Bathory. Wow, I've been listening to a lot of Carpathian Forest recently. Uh, so I guess I'm here for like horny black yeah, metal right now. Some black metal. In there. <laughs> um, and then I've been in. Uh, Mark turned me into a little bit of a cure hole recently. He's been on like a Susie and the Banshee okay. and Cure like post punk kick recently. So I've got Cure's pornography and 17 seconds on mm. here too as recent listens. Yeah. Um, and then I listened to a bunch of Angel Olsen and um, Emma Ruth Rundle recently, too. Okay. So oh. I'm all over the place. Yeah. I'm always all nice. over the place, too. Like, last week, my top listens were all of Flying Lotus's albums and, like, Aphex Twin and Outtecker and then also more Dark Throne because I've just been on a real Dark Throne kick recently. We live in Rochester. It's fucking cold yeah. out. Yeah. It's black metal season, baby. Yes, it is. I feel oppressed by the weather. Yeah. And I, it's funny, like, I don't, listen to black metal except in the winter in Rochester and it just feels right. Mm. Like I get it. I want to burn a church down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm bored. Let me out of my house. (laughs) Let's do crime. (laughs) I get it. I want to worship Satan and do crimes right now. (laughs) It's been cold for too long. I haven't seen the, well, that's not true. Um, I have seen the sun recently because I went to Florida to go visit some buds, but Otherwise, you know, like none of us have seen the sun in like four months. Of oh, course, yeah. we're all peaky and yeah, nuts it's brutal. right now. It's fucking brutal. Yeah. Truly brutal. Yep. I get it. So we have some local shows coming up. We sure yeah. do. Tell us about that. All right. We have our favorite Metal Meltdown Happy mm-hmm. Hour Record Archive. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow. Hallucination Realized mm-hmm. tomorrow, the 11th. Uh, we have Ricky Rotten presents Valentine's Day Massacre at Photo City Improv. And then we also have an anti-Valentine's Day noise at the brew house. All right. Good stuff. Very good. Kind of see a trend here. Mm-hmm. Anti-Valentine's Day. Or Valentine's Day, as some <laughs> people say. Yes, happy Valentine's <laughs> Day. <laughs> So let's hear a couple more tunes before we say goodbye to Stormy Storms. Yes. We're going to play Reset with Treadmill to Hell. And then after that, we're going to hear Zoom from Italy with The Silence of Agony. Let's go. 
Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm glad to be here. Thank yeah, you for inviting me. Yeah, we love you. Oh, I love you guys too. I'm so glad to be included in your wonderful podcast. Oh, you are so yeah. special to us. So <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome talking to you. We've been looking forward to this forever. Yeah. Hooray. I'm so glad we could finally come together for it. Yeah. And we're like mm, four hours in. Yep. And if you need someone to be publicly stupid on your podcast again, just let me know. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> done <laughs> got some empty air to fill i'm here for it <laughs> we love it hell yeah all right thank, thank you. you thank you for having me you thank guys you. all right take care 
that's a black or seeing like a an album cover and being like oh there's trees in there you know that's black metal yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> there, there's a guy who looks like he might be in kiss except he's yelling at some trees oh i'm gonna love how badly this is recorded he's holding some invisible oranges yeah he's doing the invisible oranges and you can tell that it sounds like it was recorded through a mattress in a bathroom <laughs> a and i am a hundred percent on board for it <laughs> like the worse fidelity that the guitar tones have the more i'm probably going to like there the album go. yeah you got it. Does, it does it sound like shit i love it <laughs> are you mad at the weather i'm here for it <laughs> i'm mad at the weather too <laughs> 